Welcome back to the Free by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evan Williams, and this is episode two. Okay, so today's episode is my interview with Stephen Kraft. I've decided to actually split this interview into two separate episodes. The next week will be part two. Then after that episode, I'm going to follow up with a deep, dark, and twisted history about how I became a minimalist. (laughs) I actually prefer the term one who lives simply, but minimalist is, you know, just so punchy and succinct. So we'll go with that for now. All right, so without any more delay, here is part one of my conversation with Stephen Kraft. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here with the Mr. Stephen Kraft. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a pleasure to have you here, like the, coming down from Oaxaca City and visiting. Well, uh, well to set the stage, we're, we're here in, uh, in Puerto Escondido. It's, uh, it's nice and sunny out, and uh, it's the end of the rainy season, but I'd say, uh, I'd say we've been lucking out with the weather down here. Oh yeah, it's been beautiful. And you were here at a primo time, because today is El Dia de los Muertos, and we are about to get smashed here with tourists, so your exit is going to be very well-timed. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, I think you're onto something there. So that's set the stage. So I want to find out a little bit more about the Mr. Stephen Kraft. Um, we uh, we're both basically here because we we're so lucky. We're grateful. Both grateful. I know you're grateful. I'm definitely grateful to have jobs that are location independent. Yes. Um, and I know you've done a lot of work with uh, with your business, and I'm. I have some questions about that. I want to get a little bit more into detail, but before we do that, I wanted to see if you can give us a little bit more about yourself, you know, like um, where you're from originally, what your lifestyle currently is like, um, and then also a little bit about how you've actually achieved that lifestyle. Sure. Yeah. Great. All great questions. I'll try to uh, wrap them into a package nice to listen to. So I grew up in the Boston area and I attended public schools that were pretty uh, rigid and traditional and then I studied engineering in the University of Rochester. Uh, First I did an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. I mined in Japanese language, and then I went on to get a master's degree in chemical engineering, where I focused on sustainability and alternative energy. During my undergrad, I lived in Japan for four months with a host family, as I was telling you about uh, on our walk, and that was a major inflection point in my life where I was challenged by my host mother who introduced me to a broad palette of new flavors and opened me up to trying new things. She also taught me about uh, 
recycling, using less energy by taking brief showers, not using air conditioning when it was hot, wearing more layers when it was cold, composting, line drying clothing, eating more vegetables and less meat. So basically I got a culture shock and by the time I left that was my new normal. Amazing. Yeah. So I had a very middle class American programming from childhood and all of my peers and my family members were doing that kind of a, you know, get a college degree, build a career that's stable and uh, it never really felt good to me I always felt I didn't really understand but I wanted to use my hands more I wanted to be more engaged physically and school was always a real challenge for me so combining the influence from my host mother and an engineering professor who taught me about uh, peak oil and sustainability I started asking questions about how we're doing what we're doing in life. Do we have to do things the way that you know we've been taught? And uh, that also started applying towards my lifestyle. So I tried being car-free. I tried vegetarianism for a while. I got really excited about bicycles and places that develop infrastructure for people instead of vehicles. Many different questions across a wide variety of areas in life yeah. were questioned. And I only survived in the corporate world for four months. <laughs> I had a job right out of grad school uh, with a boutique uh, energy consultancy in Philadelphia. I had my own office on the 17th floor and a salary, and I could bike to work. And I burned out before five, I didn't even make five months. So I have done all sorts of different things since then that have ranged from trimming cannabis on a small farm in California for a couple seasons to buying and selling things on eBay and Craigslist, repairing electronics and selling that to I started a organics recycling and composting business in 2013. I'm still uh, part of that business, although now I have taken a back seat and I'm uh, uh, a minority uh, owner. But we, uh, we have over a thousand customers we service every week and we've composted um, well over a million pounds of organic material since we started that we've diverted from the landfill. So I tried doing that. I realized at some point that that wasn't going to allow me to have the life I wanted. It was very location dependent and also didn't pay very well. Mm -hmm. So I bought my first house in 2014 at a tax foreclosure auction for my city in Rochester, New York. I renovated it mostly myself and with friends at the beginning. Uh, it was finished by experts. I, I'm a novice. I don't claim to be an expert, although I know how the pieces all work. I don't know how to do it all. Sure. Um, and at some point I started renting out rooms in my house, and then I started taking trips and realizing that there was income coming in. 
I don't remember the exact order of operations, but not too long after that, I bought my second house up the street, yeah. and that was a rental income property. And uh, then I started buying more aggressively at the tax auctions, getting distressed properties that needed a lot of work. My neighborhood, I could tell, was a rising star in a sea of... Uh, we were on the opposite side of the river from a beautiful series of neighborhoods, mm -hmm. a mile away from the university, on a walking path in between the university and downtown, and south of a neighborhood that had recently just exploded. Ah, uh, that's ideal. Ideal. Yeah. So, a bunch of friends, well, actually, it started with another friend. He had bought a house, renovated it. He bought two across the street. Then I kept buying and renovating, and this street went from being a place that you didn't really want to walk at night to now. A buddy of mine renovated the two warehouses behind my house that yeah. were derelicts in the 90s. There's uh, energy there, art, music, business. Vibrant. It's vibrant, a lot of owner-occupancy, and so, um, long story short, most of what I do now is manage the properties that I have in the portfolio. I finished my renovations as of very recently. In this spring, we have a couple of paint jobs to take care of and some minor stuff, but at this point, my work part of the lifestyle, to answer that part of the question, I know this is a long answer, <laughs> uh, the work part is basically making sure that the houses are afloat, I can't tolerate much vacancy, so I'm trying to make sure that we have everything rented out as, as much as is humanly possible, Sure. paying taxes, making sure that nothing's falling apart, yeah. and so what I've done to really help me there is hired a property manager who works with me and just a couple other friends. She's checking the mail for me. She's making sure the insurance is, you know, valid, making sure that if the tenants have any issues, she's on the horn with a small group of contractors that I've vetted over the years to solve those problems. And so she's back end on the phone. She doesn't really understand the properties and then I have people who know those particular homes because they've been through them in and out, who I trust to do everything from plumbing, electrical, carpentry, paint, uh, masonry, etc. Yeah. So that's freed up an enormous amount of time. Oh yeah. Um, I don't actually make that much from the houses, and in fact for the last few years almost all of the money that has, actually all of the money that has gone into the business from rental income has just gotten poured into the renovations. Very shortly, and in fact, I'm in the midst of that transition since we're done with the renovations, I'm gonna start paying myself soon. So I've been surviving off of mostly one home, that's my personal house, the rental income from three bedrooms there, and some residual sales of stuff on eBay. Yeah keeping a very low expenditure in my lifestyle uh, has allowed me to be remote and soon I will have more flexibility with more income, although I plan to save as much as possible. So uh, 
you and I met at a co-working space. We're at another one now. Yeah. With internet connectivity in my laptop, I'm able to stay in touch with the team and um, spend less and less time, which I'm also focusing more and more, so that I'm using less time more effectively to make sure the ship is on course. Right on. That's exactly, man, it, I know you're saying it's a long answer, but yeah. man, it's chock full of such great information. This is exactly what I'm talking about. It's so inspirational to see a business ticking over so efficiently. Uh, I know we were both talking about the, um, you know, the, the different hacks from the four-hour work week. Uh, I've never actually met somebody in person that's been implementing it and, and like successfully doing that. and. It's really cool to actually see that, and you can see it happening from afar. And it's really cool to see and hear this story, because I, I don't think I've actually ever had this detail of a conversation about the origins of it, but it's uh -huh. really cool how organically it's grown, mm -hmm. and how you've established these, these key uh, resources and relationships with the people that have, like you said, become familiar with the buildings. Um, that's really amazing. I think that's probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably sort of like the secret sauce too a bit. It's, I'm so grateful for the folks that help me on the ground, the boots on the ground. Yeah. It's the hardest part. It's the only part of the recipe that still needs tweaking all the time. I was just home for a month checking on all the properties. I walked through all of them. And inspect them myself and make sure everything's tight. But some people who were supposed to do work for me didn't do what they said. Problems had to be solved and things had to be corrected. It's a constant shuffle and when there's someone with whom I can really put my trust and confidence, it's Priceless, and luckily there are a few of those people who I can call on a whim, who I can count on, who can help me out, and without them it would not be possible. Um, different people who have different business models that, where it could be more easy to find those relationships. Yeah. Real estate requires physical knowledge of uh, property, whereas maybe somebody in a drop shipping business or something else like what Tim Ferriss talks more about in her marketing yeah. could have a digital uh, like a, a group of people who know how to do things digitally um, so I might not recommend real estate necessarily to other people getting into this uh, for that reason Okay. Uh, and I have friends who've gotten into doing this and I've introduced them to people who can help them solve various problems, but that ends up being what causes them the most stress. Interesting. And that makes complete sense because a lot of what he was talking about is actually outsourcing a lot of the, the functions. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, with real estate, you need to be very local. Yeah. Very local. Yes. That's very interesting. So you were hitting on some, some points of a question that I did have about um, what's worked the best for you in getting to the point where you're at now, and it sounds like those relationships was uh -huh. one. Was there anything else that oh, yeah. actually was like a cornerstone or like one of the most essential pieces to 
getting to the point where you're at right now with your business? Fantastic question. I would say learning how to live with less has been (laughs) the most critical cornerstone foundational part of the puzzle, Hmm. which comes in a package. I remember reading a book, which I've now read a number of times, by Jacob Lund Fisker. It's called Early Retirement Extreme. He has reduced his income so dramatically through a variety of methods. His income? Yeah, or sorry, his, his expenses. I'm so sorry. Thank you. He's reduced his expenses dramatically. He spends something like 7500 U.S. a year. I don't I don't know if that's true. Legendary. That's Legendary. Great. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so this is everything from cooking for yourself to learning how to buy food when it's at a bargain or from a farmer's market in bulk. Um, having fewer objects is one of his mainstays. You would love this guy. Yeah, it sounds right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading that. It was 2013, the first time I read that book, and I just he, he made it so clear that the less that you spend to maintain your lifestyle means you don't need to earn as much. And so one need not have a traditional salary job if, say, you wanted to spend $10,000 a year on your lifestyle, well, you could find $10,000 of income being a laborer or being a, a tradesperson or being an entrepreneur or finding a situation where you could work part-time. And so I had a lot of clicking happening inside and over time it developed for me such that because I, I had a simple lifestyle, I just didn't need to spend as much time working and that gave me the time to think and make better decisions because I feel like we make better decisions when we're not uh, in an emergency mode. And so I would say that is the, the other cornerstone right there, the, this simple living allowed me to transition and then build what I needed. Right on. I'm yeah. also grateful to have had uh, private investment. Uh-huh. So yeah. uh, people who believe in me. Um, at this point, my track record is such that my bank does lend me money and w- would continue to lend me money. But to get started, I have also been lucky that, and I, ha- I pay above market rates on some of my, uh, uh, like the debt that I have, that the business has, to get into some of these properties and uh, renovate them. I didn't have all the cash. So to borrow that, I had people who believed in me. Uh, and because it's not at a bank, I pay above market rate, but still there's enough uh, room for me to to have the lifestyle I want. So that has been another foundational piece is finding people who would invest in me. Yeah, I mean, that's the fuel of the fire. Yes. That's fantastic. I love that you talk about 
controlling and managing expenses wisely. Um, that's something that I absolutely um, just rattle on about um, in my life. To anyone that'll listen, anybody in the earshot, yeah. <laughs> as you know. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I really do think it's essential. Uh, one of the the mottos that I've kind of drilled down this project into is reducing the noise so that you can focus on the essential. That is what you've done. You've, yeah. re you've reduced the noise, which is just how much you need to live comfortably in order to focus on the essential, which is getting your business to the point where you're getting it. I mean, that's amazing that you're getting to the point where you're going to start reaping some benefits, being able to save. Yeah. Um, and then you even have the equity to, you know, as gravy at that point. Yes. So that's amazing, man. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. awesome. I mean, I'm, I mean, things could go wrong, you know? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Maybe there's going to be such a problem that no one can pay rent in Rochester, New York. Right. Uh, you know, for that reason, I'm done investing in that zone in real estate. I yeah. think it's enough eggs in that basket. Yeah, you know what? I um, I have conversations about this. I, I do spend a lot of time and uh, attention on you know the like the market and retirement savings and stuff like that. And to be honest, if you are considering massive like financial situations that that could occur that would affect either your retirement or your business. Um, if it's that massive to really damage irreparably, then you have other problems. Agreed. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's like you can you can plan so much, you, there's no way around that, you know. And then we're going back to basics at that point. And you know what? Because we're so good at limiting our expenses, we're ahead of the game. Way ahead. So game. control those expenses. Um, so I want to I want to pivot a little bit on the conversation. Please. Yeah. Um, there. This is, like I said, this is a lot of work. This is, this is a whole lot, it's a whole lot of dedication and I'm curious to, to find out more about what inspires you, what, what's really kind of motivated and driven you to do this and, and to, I know the, like the golden egg is to achieve this lifestyle, but, but why? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Uh, we touched a little bit on it one of our talks over the past few days. When I get a taste of cultures where people do for themselves and have a relationship with their environment to provide, I reach one of my highest levels of joy for anyone listening, there's a film, uh, and I can give it to you, I have it with me today, called Alamar, A-L-A-M-A-R. It means at the ocean, at the sea. Uh, and it takes place in the Yucatan Peninsula. Long story short, there's a father who has a son that only is with him part of the year. The father's a sub. A, uh, he, he basically fishes for his life. He lives in a very small village. The buildings are on piers. They fish for their food. 
they make most of their things, they are part of the environment. It's not, there's no separation. Uh, a very close friend and mentor that I talked to you about makes his shoes from cow hides and his vests from beaver pelts that he harvested and his pants from venison buckskin and his containers from pine bark. So the inspiration I think for me is, and I'm going to make the connection, I'll show you, I think there are ways of living where we can participate at a more deeper level, a more deep level, and enrich our lives and take steward the environment in a more beautiful way because I don't think that we own it but we definitely interact with it to provide for ourselves mm. uh, and I want to learn how to do that better I've been really influenced also by permaculture which is kind of the, the direction in which I want to move more deeply and to be able to do all those things I couldn't do it without time so right now I'm getting to the point where I'm having more time which is my most valuable currency and soon I'll be able to hopefully invest in uh, land or travel to places where I can live with people with that party have land where I could uh, realize this lifestyle so ultimately that's my highest goal from there I would be able to partake in projects where we could teach people and bring people into a real-life, non-theoretical place where they could experience what alternative lifestyles are like. The reason being is that when I've stayed with people that live in these ways, the influences have been so profound, I want to give that gift back to others. All right, that's so great. That's, that's kind of where I'm headed. Yeah. So solid, like solid foundation, don't need to worry about spending most of my time on money-making, how can I use the time, skills, talent, inspiration that I have to drive a beautiful lifestyle that will be in alignment with my goals and hopefully inspire other people. Okay, so that's part one of my conversation with Stephen Kraft. The rest of the interview will be released in the next episode, episode three. I really hope you enjoyed learning about Stephen, his work, and his unique lifestyle. I know I've learned so much from him, and I'm really lucky and grateful to have him as a friend. This is why I'm so excited to bring these types of conversations to you in these episodes. So keep an eye out for the release of the next episode. Until then, keep on cutting the noise and make room for the essential. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to like it. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, it would be amazing if you subscribe to my podcast. <laughs>